Paul, we've just come off going live on the Power Up show today, the 18th of July. And as always, it was jam, jam, jam packed. <laughs> Although we did have a little bit of an English invasion. Yeah, we did, and deservedly so with England's fine World Cup victory um, on, the, on, the, on the weekend. So uh, first two guests there were, were English, so, uh, and it was fantastic to hear their, their input. Yeah, beautiful. We had Infog from Open Signal. We had Vanessa from Healthcare Professionals Group. We had uh, Jason Ludwig from uh, uh, Passionate the Chef. And, of course, the mental toughness guru, Leah Zalons. Mm, yeah. She was on the line too. So and was she re- back for the next few weeks as well, weren't she? Yeah, so, correct. Well, be good to hear from, uh, from Leah again then. Yeah, very exciting. And the other thing, Paul, big announcement. Yes, we have a sponsor for the podcast And now. who Mia. is our sponsor? Our sponsor is the uh, fabulous Insight Intelligence Group. So, Mia, tell us a bit more about the Insight Intelligence yeah. Group, please. Inside Intelligence Group is your private CIA agent looking after you and your business. Did you know, Paul, that over the last few months, Inside Intelligence have been investigating an employee who has stolen $3 million from their employer? It is absolutely amazing the lengths they go to to determine how guilty the person is, what they've done to commit the crime, and give all the proof over to the legal team who are now, I believe, in the process of prosecuting. Mm, yeah, they do some astonishing stuff, and that's fabulous work. Really, yeah. really is. So the question is, are you losing $3 million on your bottom line? But for now, off to the podcast. We are the Insight Intelligence Group, specialising in Australian corporate investigations and information risk management, workplace investigations, competitor analysis, social Social media intelligence, reputational risk management, internal or external investigations. Professional and proactive, Insight Intelligence Group works with you to ensure the success of the investigation. Australia-wide or global, facts, not opinion. 02882-9837. Insightintelligence.com.au Station sponsor. Good evening and welcome to the Power Up Show. You with Mia and Paul, or as my mother likes to say, the other guy. Rocking you through the week that was in business. Paul, what have you you got for us well no paul just say hi i'm the other guy <laughs> yeah the other guy i'm sorry hello the other guy what's on the agenda for good this evening day? mia good evening everybody and uh, good morning to those that uh, may consider me the other guy that listen elsewhere in the world um so um but uh, wonderful to have you with us um i'm looking to get uh, my team that's going to be it's going to be paul and, and that and that lady um so um on the show tonight so we've got a packed show tonight first of all we'll be talking to um uh, to Ian, he's actually in the UK, so yes. good morning to Ian, and um, he's going to be talking about uh, mobile congestion at peak time and some of the issues that creates uh, for business, and um, mm. looking forward to having a chat to him in a, in a short while. Hope he slept well. It's not a, it's not an indecent hour in the UK now, let's be fair anyway. No, you're right. Um, then we'll be having a talk to uh, Vanessa. Vanessa joins us from a, uh, a healthcare recruiter, and she's going to be talking about um, succession plan. I've had a few articles I've read on this recently about succession plan, or lack thereof. Mm, so that's um, big jump to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be a really good conversation to uh, to have to have with uh, have with her. Um, next up, we're Jason talking to yeah Jason, our chef, and um, just remind me, Mia, he's going to be covering off. Yeah, he's covering off uh, bringing personal dinners back to the table. Remember in the old 50s and 60s when the wife would make that beautiful dinner for the special guest or the special CEO or what have you? He brings that back to the table and what impact it actually has on business, which is amazing. And then, of course... We're going to have the magical Leah oh, to about mental, mental toughness. toughness yeah, so that's we fantastic. We are back with the mental toughness guru, Leah, and I can't wait to speak with her. And before we finish, we'll break, we bring Roger in again to talk about yeah. Bollywood show. So looking forward to that. So that's our show tonight. Um, you're listening to a live 
90.5. This is a Power Up show with uh, the other guy and me. And you're back with Mia and Paul on the Power Up show. And in an article in the Sydney Morning Herald last week, it was inferred, Paul, that download speeds got slower as the day progressed. I mean, intuitively, I think we can both agree that this makes sense. It does. Um, But, uh, you know, on our way home, we tend to overload the system with our usage. But given that we're in 2019, are consumers asking too much for a more stable connection? You wouldn't have thought it was too much to ask, would you, really? No, correct, you wouldn't, but it does. But So what I want to do is we've got Open Signal on the phone. Ian from Open Signal is a mobile analytics company and provides independent reports which are globally recognised standards for understanding the true state of the world's mobile networks based on measurements of real user experience. Ian from Open Signal is on the line. Um, and the first question on my mind, Ian, is around the sample size that the Open Signal based its finding on. The telco companies don't feel that a sample size of 100,000 people was a big enough sample but given that we would accept a sample of 200 telling us what to have for breakfast the argument can't possibly hold any water is this a valid reason to discount your findings i i think we have an extremely good um sample in australia um we have our software installed on 110,000 smartphones across australia um we have almost half a billion measurements um in our most recent um, report on the australian mobile network experience Enormous well, it does sound like it's an enormous number. Uh, so, I mean, look, the question that I've got for you, Ian, and I think this is what the, on the mind of many, many consumers in this country, where does Australia rate against the rest of the world with its download speeds? So, so Australia um, generally rates pretty well um, compared to um, other parts of Asia uh, and to the global experience. Um, you know, on average, um, Australians receive pretty good um, download speeds on 4G, 4G networks. Um, you know, not as fast as the fastest in the world, but, but pretty, pretty good. Um, if we look at um, the overall download speed experience as a kind of a, a benchmark, um, Australia ranks sixth out of the recent study we um, conducted um, into um, approximately um, 80 countries globally. Um, That's not so bad. Australians mm. had about six in the um, in, in download speed. Oh, you, you just there's a reason we're not on TV because both of us are pretty shocked because I don't think we thought it was as good as that. Yeah, well, particularly my experience of uh, I, I find and every time I come to the UK, um, I, I, I thought, oh, fantastic, great I, internet I think, speed I think again. A few reasons for that. I think that when people um, when you use your phone, you're often not aware of when it's working well. You're often drawn to when it's not working as well as it should. When um, the speeds aren't there, the network signal isn't there. Mm-hmm. We did another study earlier in the year where we looked at how the speed varied across the hour of the day. Because when you look at an overall average, that averages out the middle of the night when speeds are very good, no one's using the mobile network, and the evening, which tends to be the busiest time of the day when everyone's using their phone and speeds are much lower. Um, Globally, we found at 3 a.m., um, average 4G speeds globally were 22 megabits. But at 9 p.m., which is the slowest hour of the day, we found 4G speeds on average were 11.9 megabits. So about half what they are in the middle of the night. 
and that, that's often the challenge. So, as mobile use is on the increase and more of us are using this data, is our current infrastructure capable of keep, keeping up with the growth in the market? It's an incredibly challenging thing for the, for the mobile operators um, because the more successful they are in encouraging everyone to use their phone, the more successful the smartphone makers are at creating incredibly attractive, seductive um, smartphones that work really well and, and, and do more and more things, the more data usage happens on the network, the more investment has to go into the network to keep up. And it's not a static thing. Mm -hmm. um, smartphone use is going up at the same time that investment in new technology is adding new capability. And it really just depends on who's winning. Um, <laughs> usage of smartphones increasing quicker than the technology and the investments of the mobile network operators to keep up, or are the network operators and the technology innovation keeping ahead of smartphone growth? It does seem to be a cat and mouse, doesn't it? As soon as I seem to get on top of it, uh, the next thing comes out and all of a sudden the usage just drops, it, not the usage, the usage increases and the download speeds drop. Uh, that can happen, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing at the moment is we're seeing a lot of investment happen in mobile networks to um, build up the foundations and then move ahead with 5G, which is a big jump in, in marketing for the mobile operators because it's got that lovely vibe in there. But it also represents the um, potential for the operators to use a lot more wireless spectrum, high frequency spectrum that wasn't previously available for smartphone use. And that has a lot more capacity on the network that can support more smartphone users at a good enough speed to watch, watch a video, mm -hmm. um, upload a file, browse a website. Mm -hmm. So it looks like we are going to win the fight, but in the meantime, I'm not I'm not imagining it. My download speed is dropping in the evenings when I'm trying to come home in traffic, and I'm not losing my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. The other piece, of course, is that, that, again, is an average. When you look at a country like Australia, there's a tremendous variety of geography in Australia. Yeah. There's a lot of people that spend most of their time in cities but there's a big expanse of different kinds of rural mm. environments in Australia where it's much more challenging to deliver a good smartphone experience. Um, typically in those locations, the operators will use wireless to connect not just the smartphone, but from the tower back to another point where there might be a fiber connection. So it's an incredibly challenging thing mm. to deliver the coverage out of those rural regions. What we see in open signal data is we see differences in different types of geography in Australia in terms of how good the experience is and in terms of how well each of the major operators um, um, are successful in delivering a great mobile network experience. Some of them are much better in rural areas than others. Perfect. Beautiful. Well, Ian, I think you've addressed the questions that we've had. I am... Um relatively surprised but i can't say that i'm sad i'm quite excited that our download speeds are some of the best in the world of the 80 countries i think you said that were tested which is pretty fantastic and awesome and we should probably just stop complaining and just be grateful for what we've got <laughs> i think um, i think i think you, you know everyone's got to be ambitious on this um the smartphone is such an important part of everyone's life now you know, it used to be 20 years ago a phone was about making phone calls or sending the old SMS message. Now you've got music, 
people watch videos, people play games, people use as their main navigation device um, mm. for getting around, which is an incredibly important thing. But guilty as charged. Um, in big countries like somewhere like Australia, as well as, you know, navigating around in a pedestrian environment, a big city like Melbourne, like Sydney. Um, so it's incredibly important to every part of, of, of our lives now. So mm-hmm. I think we have to be um, um, demanding about having the experience that, that does what we need it to do. Perfect. Ian, thank you so much. We do appreciate it all the way from the UK. Um, And we will definitely be in touch with you in the future. We do appreciate your time this morning. Currently uh, 23 past six on the 18th of July 2019. Paul, many businesses have a succession plan or they think they do. But the reality in any organization is that they don't realize how much information is stored with a handful of individuals without the thought of knowledge transfer. And this Mm. only comes out, I suppose, when the person leaves or, God forbid, something happens to that individual. Mm. It's also clear in some instances, and this is something you are very much across at the moment, that there are individuals who are so worried about their job. They have this unhealthy obsession with holding all this knowledge to themselves um, and making sure that they're not replaceable. This off the offset of this in the organizations is you know it does it limits their growth within the organization, it limits profitability, it impacts productivity, you name it. it it's is, all unhealthy stuff. It's all toxic and unhealthy. We have Vanessa on the phone from Healthcare Professionals Group. Uh, Vanessa, are you well aware of the impact this has on organizations? So why should people uh, in I'll try that again, why should organizations be investing in their people, Vanessa? Oh, hi, hi Mia, hi everyone. Um, Look, people are an organization's greatest investment. There's always a risk associated with people, but the return on the investment is absolutely worth it. There are two aspects to investing in people. So firstly, there's the attracting and recruiting the right person. um, And secondly, the retaining of the top talent. Fundamentally, it's the people in an organization, the tasks they perform, the customer interaction, the work ethic they demonstrate. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously the outcomes they achieve that make organizations thrive. So investing in people will drive organizational growth, success, enhance the company culture, improve the customer experience and build the continuity through the future leaders. Vanessa, um, I've got Paul with me, my co-host. Now that we, We're going to put you in the middle of a, a squirrel. What is squabble here? I'm not going to squabble with <laughs> Vanessa at all. I think uh, no, she, speaks my, she speaks my language. And is it, is it right, Mia, that all our guests are English tonight? Is no, just true? the first two. Okay, right. <laughs> no, the, the squabble I'm talking about, Vanessa, is Paul and I have this ongoing argument about what the cost is of losing employees and high turn, staff turnover. Yeah. So, so Paul goes. It's twelve months worth of pay. I is go what it's conservative. Cost. The very, the most, I, no, the, what I say. The most conservative research I see usually says it's. Um, Don't one, go back on your words one now. One times annual salary, and I say it's two times annual salary. You mentioned that. What is your research show in industry in terms of what the cost is, or your? I don't know, assessment of what you think it is. Well, I've just put a spanner in the works and say three times. <laughs> um, and, I, I look, and, I, and I've seen that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hence why I say conservative. Yeah. Well, at least time. you didn't side with Paul, so we'll carry on talking now. <laughs> Me, you always have to win, don't you? Yes. What is it about you? I know, you're salesperson. <laughs> so why is it so, so important, Vanessa, that succession planning is actually embedded in the very culture of the organisation? Because I think that's something that uh, organisations don't realise. It's one thing mm. for us to have a knowledge transfer, but that just goes part of protocol. Mia, you've learned how to, I don't know, turn on a calculator. Now you know yep. need to go teach Paul how to do that. Mm-hmm. But we need to have it in the apps, in the in the culture. It's got to be embedded in the absolute fibre. Why is that so important? Oh, you absolutely do. Look, succession planning and identifying high potential talent, it, 
it gives an organisation the ability to be agile, competitive um, and grow. So when succession planning is embedded effectively, it creates continuity, which in turn creates profitability. Um, it isn't just one dimensional. So succession planning, it's really important to understand there it is quite complex. But if you think about it a lot, it's very simple to implement. It can be cross-divisional. Um, so some people think you can only do succession planning in one area, like operations or sales. Uh, but you can actually look at mm. it across all the divisions. It doesn't have to be siloed. Um, and from middle senior to executive level. Um, so there are so many areas that you can, can actually look at successful um, succession planning. If it is in the heart of the business, it will create a consistency in the customer experience, which in today's market is probably the number one focus. Uh, a consistency in work ethic, it enhances the culture and it encourages people to want to actually progress, try, try harder and learn more. Mm-hmm. All of this, um, it doesn't only help to improve profit, but it actually really has a major impact on your brand and your reputation. So, uh, uh, fundamentally, it's got quite a few important areas. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I, I just see it as absolutely critical. And I, I totally agree with you, say, Vanessa, as well, about uh, it doesn't. It can be cross-functional as well. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've even seen some very extreme examples. And uh, one of my favourites was um, somebody that was a um, uh, basically an actuary that went into a... Uh, uh, a role as uh, as leading uh, being the head of HR, so yeah. that's you know that, that's about as uh, you know as me would say about as drawn out as you could get in terms of one extreme to the other. But it proves it can work. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in today's market, it's a lot about mindset. It, it's we've moved away from it just being about technical skill, um, mm. and we're in a market now where it's all about your attitude, your emotional intelligence. Um, and your motivation. Mm, no, absolutely right. In fact, actually, it reminds me of a conversation even earlier on this afternoon. I was having about some of it also about uh, how uh, they were really concerned that um, they were wanting to potentially lead an IT function in the future, but uh, wanted to have specialist management skills about how to manage IT functions. I said, no, mm. you don't. No. <laughs> you need the core no. skills, you quite rightly say. Absolutely. Totally agree. Beautiful. Vanessa, thank you so much. I am turning Paul off here because he will yeah, keep you on the much. line all night. <laughs> yes, correct, correct, correct. You're we're doing coffee, but we're doing coffee one day. <laughs> Vanessa, thank you so much. We really you, do Vanessa. appreciate your You're insight and I will um, post that link of your article up for people to see. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. You're listening to the Power Up Show with Mira and Paul and a live 90.5. The 50s and the 60s and the 70s. It was okay for hubby to pick up the phone, get hold of the wife and say, sweetheart, I'm bringing home the big cheese for dinner. Make sure you prepare a five-star meal for us. Are you returning to the 1970s for us, Mia? Well, we were, but guess what? (laughs) I mean, that was a huge honour in those days, and I think even the wife thought it was a great honour to be cooking for whoever they needed to be cooking for. But you know what? Fast forward to 2019, where all of us are working. You know, Julian phones me and tells me to do that. It's probably food poisoning. (laughs) Um, It's easier to go out for a five-star dinner, wouldn't you agree, in a noisy, impersonal environment. But Jason Ludwig, our guest on the phone now from Passionate the Chef, is flipping the restaurant industry on its head. Now he is bringing the personal touch along with the five-star glamour into your home or your boardroom. There's also nothing worse, and let's be honest, than having to find a babysitter. I mean, you're okay. You've got teenagers. Worry about parking. Or just shout over the noisy guy next to you having a fight with his wife on the mobile phone. Jason, how do you solve this problem for us? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Good question. So basically what we do is we package all of that up 
uh, from, you know, your favourite five-star restaurant. It might be, you know, Key or Tetsu's, wherever you love going. And we bring that to you, including, you know, the cutlery, the crockery, um, you know, up to 16 entities on every plate. And there's only a handful of people doing this sort of style, but we create something different, and it's a personalised experience that we deliver. Because uh, I'm actually, I've been a presenter for about the last tech decade, um, and so we actually come out to the table and, and present it in, in a really personalised style. I like the idea that you actually bring the cutlery and crockery along too, because I've been to Paul's house, um, and both of us, I think we can both agree, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing fine dining with anything we own. Well, specifically me. Oh, I'm well, yeah, cool. I mean, oh, all the all the food is actually matched to the plate. It's designed to the plate, so we have to. Oh, <laughs> hey, what is the benefit of creating this inspire environment, especially for you know those all important work dinners, which still happen today? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know very well that you know a lot of businesses actually closed on that walk to the car with your client uh, and that's because you're creating that personal connection and it it just breaks down the barriers and creates that trust and you know people want to buy from people they know and trust and like and so we can help create that in your home it's just so amazing i mean I can just imagine from a sales perspective the impact that that would have on a potential customer or on one of your bigger customers. They're never going to want to leave you or they're going to be excited to invest time, money and effort into you. But in saying that too, if you've got really good suppliers, is this a great option with your suppliers too? Yeah, I mean, I've done a, a number of different jobs like that. So uh, one of them, you know, I have a commercial fit-out um, specialist who is one of my clients, and he wanted to say a bit of a thank you to, you know, the architects and the builders that he usually uh, regularly uses. And so he actually put on this dinner at his house uh, for them as a thank you. Um, or, you know, it might, be, uh, it might be resi builders and architects that want to actually thank their clients and so they might want to throw them a housewarming party and then they engage my services for that too. Speaking of a housewarming party, uh, Paul uh, and his family recently moved house last week. Congratulations. And thought, thank you. The thought of a housewarming party at the moment with a number of boxes around her is a little bit distant. <laughs> I have to say. But I was seriously thinking of cooking dinner for them and bringing it to them. But then, you know, for the long listeners of the show, they would probably think I was trying to poison Paul. And mm, probably, quite yeah. frankly, Paul would have had a taste tester and his kids check out the food too. I mean, yeah. is is there... Um, an opportunity for something like that, you know, for parents having anniversaries or friends who have moved house and just the thought of cooking is probably just not on their mind. Is that something you would do too? Yeah, so we do private or business. It's, um, you know, I, I put myself in the position that I'm lucky enough to be able to share in people's pivotal moments in their life and, and that's around the celebration which is always around food so I mean we can create any type of fine dining food experience um, at your venue or, or your office or your home wherever it may be whether it's you know canapes or sit down or degustation um, wherever you are so we've actually currently done events from Goulburn to Port Stephens so oh, we wow. do travel as well. That's, wow. a, that's a very wide area. Uh, yeah you know have van, we'll travel. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. The only problem I have with talking to you, Jason, at 20 hungry. to 7, mm. all three of us were at BNI networking events this morning at 6 o'clock, uh, and I think that this was probably the worst time to talk to you because I can actually hear my stomach rumble. <laughs> so you've got my address. I'll be home in about an hour. You just get that already, shall you? <laughs> right, I'll jump in the kitchen and get cooking for you. Outstanding, Jason. Thank you so much. Thank You're you, listening to it. Thank you, Jason. You're listening to a live 90.5. This is the Power Up Show.
Oh, I forgot to turn you up. Yeah, hi, how are you? Oh, the mental toughness guru. I'm going to have to, uh, yes, live up to high expectations, I can see. Well, it's true <laughs> expectations, so you're good to go. <laughs> I am absolutely good to go. Leah, now, the reason I've gotten you on the phone is because there are so many behavioural profiles out there. Paul and I both do behavioural profiles. We do it at team levels. And you and I are in the process of discussing the the mental toughness behavioural profile, so to speak, or the profile around mental toughness. And I got my report back from you today. And I think we need to just understand what mental toughness is because it appears to be that what we perceive as mental toughness is actually more resilience and uh, I suppose just getting things done because we have to. It's not necessarily creating a mindset of mental toughness. Yes, look, that is a really good point. So why don't we, um, like, talk, I'll go, I'll tell you the official mental toughness um, definition, which is a psychological model that was originally developed and researched uh, some uh, 30 years ago by Peter Clough, a organisational and uh, sports psychologist. And that so it has come about from a lot of research and then been commercialised together with human behavioralist um, or behavioural economist Doug Strakacic. So the definition is it it encompasses resilience, but it's actually much broader. So mental toughness is the quality that determines how effectively people deal with challenge, with stresses, with pressure, irrespective of circumstances. So if, you know, there's quite a bit of, a lot of words there, but if we have a look at Nelson Mandela, Richard Branson, Oprah Winfrey, right? Mm-hmm. You look at who they are. Who are they as leaders, as, as, you know, people of significance? And it's their determination and positive mindset that they demonstrate in dealing with adversity. So it's a, it's a, it's a much more complex psychological thinking framework that we work with. That and it's more of a... It's more of a consistent thinking framework. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to be more of a consistent framework versus what I think many of us are stuck in. Well, not stuck in, but many of us think as mental toughness is, I'm in a tough situation now, buck up, get it done, move through it. But then the next day, the mindset, I suppose, is not as strong as it was yesterday. So we have these fluctuations. Look, and you know what, Mia? The bigger the, the, the goals and aspirations that as leaders and business owners and CEOs, you know, the bigger the fluctuations, to be honest. And hence, when you look at it, when you look at the definition of leadership, leadership is a stressful choice. (laughs) (laughs) Business ownership is a stressful choice of career. You know, running a radio program and, and, you know, doing what you and Paul do is a stressful, you're putting yourselves in stressful environments. And this is why if we can unpack the mental toughness down into the four C's, which are the four pillars that, that make up mental toughness, this might also give us a little bit um, more uh, insight into just how deep and broad this, this mental um, framework is. 
Leah, so what I would like to suggest then is over the next four weeks at this time slot, we go through those four C's with you so that people can take each one of the C's home for the week, just digest it, and then come back the new week for the next lot. How does that sound with you? Oh, look, I think that's fabulous. But can I just say that the reason I'm particularly excited is because since we last spoke, which was February, my own mental toughness scores in all of these four C's, as we've referred to them, right, is has increased in six months by an order of 20% across oh, wow. the board. Wow, and you so, were pretty tough to start off with. I can't, I can't believe it's February since we saw you, Leah. That's, 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 I think it's shocks me. It's a toothing shop, yeah? So it flies. And that's why this is so timely. So yeah. I would be delighted to come back and unpack each of those four C's. And maybe we even leave it just as those four C's so people will tune in next week to learn more about what we're doing. But remember, that's one of the, the differentials coming back to your original question of why I'm, you know, so um, committed to, to working with, with this particular profiling uh, a tool is because it gives us um, a, the, a picture, right, a, a three-dimensional picture of where our mental toughness is right now. And it's a change management tool that we can actually develop Mm. our mental toughness. And we're looking for that consistency because that's really what you're saying is be consistent. We want to grow. Versus being stressful, unstressful. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. So this, this is what's exciting about it is that it is absolutely a change management tool in as much as it is a psychometric assessment of where we are today. So it ties in beautifully with um, what one of your previous guests, Vanessa, was talking about in succession planning. And, oh my goodness, and the chef. You know, I oh, yes. experienced personal chef in the home, and oh my goodness, you know, I so need his details because <laughs> that's a brilliant way, um, you know, to, to have a really good in-depth conversation around mental toughness and food. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Leah, we are going to get you back on next week and we're going to start the three C's, with uh, the four C's with you and we're going to start understanding mental toughness in more detail versus just looking at it going mental toughness and isolating the wrong definition. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the call and we will be in touch with you next week. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bye, Paul. Bye, Leah.